This talk was recorded by Insight Meditation South Bay in Mountain View, California. The speaker is Shyla Catherine. For more talks and information, visit www.imsb.org. This talk is about the giver, the gift, and the receiver. And I'd like to consider giving in the context of the motivation that we give from, as well as the way that we give and the results, what comes out of generosity practice. And I have a number of suttas that I want to refer to. They're all quite brief, but there's a number of them in this talk. So please bear with me. I want to give you, though, a sense of how it was that the Buddha approached this training in generosity. The central issue that I'm exploring is what makes an act of giving most fruitful. Why is it a beneficial act in our spiritual lives? In the numerical discourses of the Buddha, it says, a good person gives in five ways, out of faith, with respect, at the right time, unreservedly, and without injuring himself or others. In the Book of the Eights in the Anguttara Nikaya, it says there are these eight gifts of a good person. What eight? He gives what is pure. He gives what is excellent. He gives a timely gift. He gives what is allowable. He gives after investigation. He gives often. He gives while settling his mind in confidence. And having given, he is elated. These are the eight gifts of a good person. Now, although I've just read suttas that are dealing with lists of fives and eights, for simplicity, I decided to highlight just three aspects of giving. And these three aspects of giving can inform the development of our generosity practice. And they are the three aspects of motivation, context, and result. Or we could say the giver, the gift, and to the receiver of the gift. It's believed that the comic potency of the gift is affected by the motivation that we have when we give, by the quality or the nature of the gift that we're giving, and by the virtue of the being that is receiving the gift. So I want to consider these three aspects in turn. The first is to consider the giver, and that's particularly to reflect upon our intention the motivation with which we give. That inner state, that motivation, affects the quality of the act of giving. And you know this sometimes, right? Sometimes you give out of wisdom, out of kindness, out of this heartfelt generosity that wants to share. And sometimes we give out of obligation or out of fear or out of a wish to be recognized. And they feel different, don't they? In the Numerical Discourses, Book of the Threes, it says, even if one throws away the rinsings from a pot or a cup into the village pool or pond, wishing that the living beings there may feed on them, even this would be a source of merit, not to speak of giving a gift to a human being. It's an interesting reference, isn't it? That the Buddha is saying that even if one throws away one's leftovers, but is performing that act of throwing away the leftovers with a mind of goodwill that wishes beings to feed on them, then even that 
is a meritorious action because of the wholesome state of mind, that wish, may this benefit those beings, those little bugs, those little fishes, whatever are there. In the Sutta Nipata, there's a real emphasis on the importance of the state of mind during the act of giving in a teaching that says, make your offering. As you make it, be pleased in mind. Make your mind completely calm and contented. Focus and fill the offering mind with the giving. Can you sense that fullness of presence right in the act of giving? So the quality of mind that is present in the act of giving is very significant when we undertake dana as training. In the um, numerical discourses, again, Book of the Sixes, we find a discourse that lists six things that make an offering most fruitful. And here I'll first refer to the three of those six that pertain to the giver. What are the three factors of the donor? Number one, the donor is joyful before giving. Number two, she has a placid, confident mind in the act of giving. And three, she is elated after giving. These are the three factors of the donor. Now, in the brief lists of the lists of the fives, the lists of the sixes, the lists of the eights that I've read so far, the aspects that relate to the quality of the giver's mind include faith, respect, confidence, joy, elation, and to give without reservation. Because when we give, we can give happily. We can be happy as we engage in this explicit gesture of non-clinging. We are literally practicing the expression of the liberated mind, which is non-grasping. And so giving makes the state of the mind of the giver, of the donor, pure, happy, and free. We can also consider the appropriateness of the gift. First of all, it must be rightly earned, not a stolen item and something that is actually ours to give. And secondly, the gift should be given in a skillful way and in an appropriate context. For example, some gifts might be most appropriate to give privately, just one-to-one. And other gifts might be most appropriate to give publicly. Would a public gift embarrass, shame, or trap, or in any way disrespect the recipient of the gift? We can consider this before we choose the context in which we will give. Or would a public gift demonstrate greater respect and give honor and provide well-deserved recognition and public appreciation for the recipient. So before we give, we should reflect on the context of the giving and also consider if the gift itself is the appropriate gift to offer to that person or that being at that particular time. Some people have a motivation to give and want to share and enjoy the act of giving, but don't bring the wisdom to make sure that that act is skillful. And so without reflecting, it might be received or interpreted in a way 
that is not so positive, or it might actually bring results in the long run that are not so positive. I mean, we can probably think of lots of examples of giving without skillfulness, of times when people try to share and try to give, but actually disempower or trap or seduce the being that is receiving the gift. There's a duck pond that's not far from where I live, and there are signs all around the duck pond that say, do not feed the ducks. (laughs) I mean, there are reasons to not feed the ducks. It's not cruel to not give them old bread. Because if they feed the ducks, then it can disturb their migration patterns, and they might even become prone to illness by filling up on this not very substantial, stale bread. Sometimes also people want to give something, but they just think about what they want to give instead of what the person can receive. And then it can lead to some somewhat embarrassing moments or moments of discomfort in the act of giving. So it's worth reflecting a little bit. For example, a host might cook a scrumptious meal for guests, but forget to ask whether or not their guest is a vegetarian. And so if they make a big steak and they've invited the guest of honor who's a vegetarian, it could be a little bit uncomfortable. Our task is not only to practice acts of generosity, but to let our impulse towards generosity be informed by reflection, by self-examination, by consideration of the context and the receiver, and generally by bringing wisdom to the act of giving so that we consider not only the immediate context of the giving, but also what the long-term consequences of that gift might be. In the discourses that I read from the fives and the sixes and the eights, the items that pertain to the gift, how it's given, include that the gift should be allowable, it should be pure, it should be excellent, and the giving should be timely and practiced often. Now, every situation is unique, and gifts that involve people tend to be complex because people are complex and rather unpredictable. We may not be able to know what the results of our gift will be, but nevertheless, we can take a moment to still ask ourselves, is the gift that I'm giving appropriate? Am I giving it in a skillful way? Is the timing appropriate? And is it being offered in the right company? The third aspect that I wanted to mention tonight is the receiver of the gift, who is often described in the discourses as being a field of merit, that the one who receives the gift is the field of merit for the giver. And this refers to the purity of the recipient. And this recipient also has an effect on the quality of, of the karmic quality, the karmic potential of the act of giving. Now, this teaching is not to suggest that one should only give gifts to great and noble and enlightened people. Remember, the Buddha said that even tossing away the rinsings from our bowl where a fish could eat it 
would be a valuable gift. But he ended that statement saying, even this would be a source of merit, not to speak of giving a gift to human beings, implying that it would certainly be even more fruitful to give a gift to human beings. So who the gift is given to can have an effect. Amongst human beings, the levels of virtue and wisdom vary. And so the discourses that I've already mentioned from the fives and the sixes and the eights include the instruction to give a gift first after investigation and second in ways that harm neither oneself nor others. I have only two more discourses I want to share, but this one requires a chart. The teaching in the Middle Link Discourses, number 142, which is the next discourse I want to read, implies that the virtues of either the giver or the receiver have the potential to purify the gift. And I'd like to read this discourse, and as I do, mark off the chart so you can start to see how it works. I'll read the first paragraph. When, with a trusting heart, believing in a good outcome, a virtuous person gives to an immoral person a gift rightly obtained, the giver's virtue purifies the offering. So here, with a trusting heart, believing in a good outcome, yes. A virtuous person, yes, the virtue of the giver, gives to an immoral person the virtue of the receiver, no. A gift rightly obtained, the gift rightly obtained, yes. Then the giver's virtue purifies the offering, so it is purified, yes. Then the next one, when with an untrusting heart, nope, not believing in a good outcome, an immoral person gives to a virtuous person a gift not rightly obtained, the receiver's virtue purifies the offering. It's still purified. When, with an untrusting heart, not believing in a good outcome, an immoral person gives to an immoral person a gift not rightly obtained, neither virtues purifies the offering. That's a dud. When, with a trusting heart, believing in a good outcome, a virtuous person gives to a virtuous person a gift rightly obtained, that gift will come to full fruition. When, with a trusting heart, believing in a good outcome, a person free from craving free from craving, gives to a person free from craving a gift rightly obtained. That is the best in worldly gifts. Okay. So what's the lesson here? Exactly. Anytime there's a virtue somewhere, it's going to purify the gift. The only dud was when there was nothing good anywhere in it. You know, that would be like when a thief steals something and gives it as a share to his co-thief. 
There's not much generosity involved in that. There's not much good that comes from that. But even the tiniest place, if there's any place in there where there's a little bit of virtue, that that can purify the gift. So that can make the gift worthy. It can make the gift positive. Now I want to finish with another discourse, which has six factors that make an offering most fruitful. And these are the three that pertain to the receiver of the gift. What are the three factors of the recipients? Here, the recipients are devoid of lust or are practicing to remove lust. They are devoid of hatred or are practicing to remove hatred. They are devoid of delusion or are practicing to remove delusion. These are the three factors of the recipient. Considering the purity of the receiver invites us to consider what the gift will be supporting. How will the gift be used? What will it accomplish? I think we all have various causes and charities, various groups and teachers that we like to support because they align with our values. We're compatible in interest and our life's experiences and goals are aligned. We support them because we value their work and their goals. And giving expresses our respect for that work. We provide material support to enable that work to continue and trust that those groups and those people will use the gift well. So I'd like to pose a few questions for reflection. I'd like you to reflect on the way you approach generosity in your life. Perhaps even thinking of some situations in which you either are actively giving or that you have considered giving. And reflect on the motivation, the inner motivation. Reflect on the object or the uh, whatever it is you are going to give. That what is the quality of that gift? And reflect on the virtue or the state of the receiver of the gift. When you reflect upon your own motivation, can you sense the purity in that and allow yourself to experience joy in having the thought to give. When you reflect on the object that you might give, consider if it's an appropriate gift to be given to that person or that cause or that situation. And consider if it's something that really is yours to give and if it was rightly earned. And then reflect upon the virtues of the receiver, considering how that receiver might use the gift. There are many times when these factors seem muddled in our lives, when we're really not sure 
when to give, how to give, what to give, for what reason we should give. And there are many times when it seems very clear. It's like the path to generosity is just very open and clear to us. Sometimes having these questions can help bring clarity to the situations in which we have an opportunity to give, but we're a little bit muddled, we're not sure. And we can sort it out a little bit by asking these questions. Is the uncertainty internal? Is the uncertainty in the the receiver or with the context? And find ways to practice giving in ways that are most skillful and have the potential to bring great rewards and great fruits. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.